if you hear the last few weeks, we've been diving into the book of Luke. And really the um, sort of the overall, overall theme is to see, uh, to, to see about Jesus, to learn about Jesus, to see how Jesus walked, walked the walk, and then to see how, uh, to think about how we, can, how we can do likewise. I think one of the amazing things about New Zealand culture is we really value authenticity. So people that walk the walk, you know, that's what we want to be, rather than um, people that um, talk about it and, and don't do it. So Jesus was uh, the legend. <laughs> uh, Jesus is the one eh, who, who, uh, who does what he says. And uh, this is like the, the motivation for um, looking, at, looking at the book of Luke. Also to discover more about Jesus, who's just uh, amazing. So there's some steps that I often use when I'm walking up to my, to my other job, my supplementary, supplementary job at, at Victoria University. And I'd walk up these steps and one day I noticed that I kept tripping up them. So, you know, you trip up some steps, you don't think anything of it, and then, and then you do it again, and you go, that's a bit weird. And then after a few weeks of this, I go, that's what's going on here. And then, and so, uh, I, so I began to pay attention and, and notice that one of the steps, uh, you know, circled in red, it's not circled in red in real life, it's that you go up these steps and it's, <laughs> maybe it should be, and it's slightly, it's slightly taller. So they did some repairs at some point, and now the step is slightly taller. And you know how when you go up steps, you don't really look at the step you're taking, but you just, you're kind of looking ahead. And so it kept on tripping me up. I'd be up, you know, on my way to work and stumble and, and feel like quite uncoordinated. And then I noticed, okay, that, that step's bigger. So, okay, now I know, now I know. Sweet, right? Now I know. But no, because I'm... I'm <laughs> I keep, I think, I think to myself, okay, I trip up that step, I go, okay, that step's bigger, take notice next time. The next time I go up there, I'm, I'm distracted, I'm listening to music or whatever, I'm thinking about something else, I trip up it again. So one day, I kind of been the only one that was tripping up this step, this one step, and so eventually they, they put, some, put some signs up there. You can see them here, again, circled in red, not in real life, but there we go, mind your step, and they painted it white. So now it's really, really obvious. So now, I never, never trip up that Trip up that step, right? No, I, I still trip up that step. <laughs> because you know what it's like when you see a sign, you see it over and over again. I think there's probably a psychological term for this. You just ignore it. Like if you work in a, in a workplace with a shared office, hey, how many of you have seen those signs that says, your mum doesn't live here, wash your own dishes? And you see it once, you go, oh, that's annoying. And then you just completely ignore it. And, and uh, you know, your mum comes and washes, no, she doesn't. But <laughs> you know what I mean? You just ignore it. He just ignore it. And so anyway, I began one day walking, you know, tripping up these steps, and I began to realise this is a bit of a metaphor for life. This is a parable. You know, uh, we, can be, we can be aware of the things that trip us up. I mean, all of us have things that trip us up. But they still trip us up, even when we know about them, uh, unless we actually like pay, paying attention. Uh, and so we might know of certain areas in our lives, certain things, uh, certain areas where we're, we're weak and, and vulnerable. Um, you know, there's that, there's that hymn that I really like, uh, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing, and it has, has this line that gets me every time, and it says, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. You know, prone to leave the God I love. Um, and we know that we're like that. Uh, and still these things trip us up. So, uh, so I wanted to kind of begin with that, with that image, and, and you might be able to hold the image in your head as we dive into today's passage, which comes from uh, the Gospel of Luke, Luke chapter 4. Uh, not yet, not yet, James. Too too quick on the clicker. Luke chapter four. So so the backstory here is that uh, Jesus has Jesus has uh, has arrived on the scene, and he's arrived with massive promise and expectation. Uh, 
He's the Messiah that all of Israel had been, had been waiting for, they've been hoping for him. He's the one who's going to set them free and there've been prophecies, uh, prophecies about him, like, like in Isaiah, which says, you will break the yoke of their slavery. This is Isaiah 9. Uh, it says, you will break the yoke of their slavery and lift the heavy burden from their shoulders. Oh, that sounds good. You will lift the heavy burden from their shoulders. You will break the oppressor's rod. So there's loads and loads of expectation about Jesus. And when he's about 30 years old, he, he's baptised. Matt talked about this last week. When he's about 30 years old, he's baptised by John the Baptist in the, in the Jordan River. And, and when he's baptised, the, the heavens open and the Holy Spirit descended upon Jesus like a dove. And, and there's this voice from heaven, the Father, the, you know, God the Father speaking from heaven saying this, you are my, dele- you are my dearly, you are my dearly loved son and you bring me great joy. It's so, so incredible. And it's such an, such an amazing moment. And, and you can, like when you read it, you can see like there's this growing expectation about Jesus. You know, he's, he's this guy who's gonna come and save us. Jesus means God saves. It's a growing expectation. But, but, then, but then rather than going like straight into the business of, uh, you know, being the saviour that people, people wanted, the Holy Spirit, you know, we just read, you just heard it, you know, the Holy Spirit descended upon Jesus like a dove. The Holy Spirit then leads Jesus into the wilderness. And so this is, this is where we're up to. Luke chapter four, Luke four, uh, verse one. Then Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan River. He was led by the Spirit in the wilderness where he was tempted by the devil for 40 days. Jesus ate nothing all that time and became very hungry. When you read the early chapters of uh, the Gospel of Luke, uh, you just notice that the Holy Spirit is all over it. There's so many mentions of the Holy Spirit. He, he, is, the key, he is the key person who's, who's orchestrating everything that happens. He's like bringing everything together, weaving everybody together. And then the whole, it's the Holy Spirit that leads Jesus into the wilderness. So it's amazing, like from this, from this high point of his baptism, uh, he, he's led into, into a challenging season. 40 days, you know, to eat nothing. <laughs> well, you know, you, ended up, you end up being hungry if you don't eat for half a day even. You know, 40 days to eat nothing. And, and then also to be tempted by the devil. I mean, I'm, I'm not sure how comfortable we are actually with the idea that the Holy Spirit might lead us into, into challenging seasons, into wilderness seasons. But he does. I was, uh, was baptised uh, when I was about, about 13 years old and uh, our family, you might have heard the story, our family at that time was um, over in the US. Our mum and dad were at a, at, a, at a school of ministry and we were staying on a, staying on a ranch in California. And uh, while we were there, uh, I, I got this idea in my head that, um, that I should get baptised. I'd like to get baptised. And the, there was a water, <laughs> water reservoir and I thought it'd be great to get baptised in the water reservoir. It, was, it sort of doubled as a swimming pool. I don't think we drank from it. No, no it's just for water in the garden. Watering the ranch. Anyway, so I talked it over with Dad. We'd go on these big kind of walks, and, and we talked it over, and and, um, and we thought this would be a um, a good thing to do. And we sort of made plans for for doing it. You know, I really wanted to take that that step in my faith journey uh, of following Jesus. But there's also a part of me, <laughs> which is pretty funny. Thinking back to it, there's also a part of me that, that I thought if I get if I get baptised, then I'm going to be then I'm going to be strengthened in my walk with God, and um, specifically, I'm going to be I'm going to be strengthened as I as I battled temptation, because I was 13 years old, 
and uh, and I won't go into the details, but you know, the temptations are growing at that time. <laughs> and so I got baptized, and I thought, oh, this is just going to sort all that stuff out. I'm not going to get tempted after that, or if I am tempted, then I'm going to be like superhuman. And instead, <laughs> that wasn't the case. Okay, I'm not going to go into the details, right? But anyway, that uh, and so. So it was like it was amazing. I think that baptism, uh, baptism is like this decision that we make, and it's a it's a proclamation. You know, it's a it's a public proclamation of, of our walk with God. Often, when we make proclamations or we make decisions like that, they're, they're tested. There's a test. Will will we still trust God? Will I still trust God? You know, uh, this is this is why to you know am still working out. Do I still trust God? Will I still, uh, you know, walk in His ways? Will I still uh, submit myself to Him? Or will I do whatever I want and whatever's uh, best for me? And so this is this Jesus Himself. Jesus is baptised. And then from there, Jesus baptised the, the Holy, the, you know, God speaks His words over Him. You're my beloved Son. And then Jesus goes into this time, into this challenging time that includes temptation. And so you read it and you go, will, will Jesus, will he still trust God, his Father? Will he still rely on God? And the devil's going to do his best to, to um, make Jesus fall. So continuing from uh, Luke, Luke 4, yeah, cool. Luke 4, 3. Then the devil said to him, so, you know, hold, you know, holding in your mind that he hasn't eaten for 40 days and so he's hungry. Then the devil said to him, if you are the son of God, tell this stone to become a loaf of bread. But Jesus told him, no, the scriptures say people do not live by bread alone. Then the devil took him up and revealed to him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. I will give you the glory of these kingdoms and authority over them, the devil said, because they are mine to give anyone I please. I will give it all to you if you will worship me. Jesus replied, the scriptures say you must worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil took him to Jerusalem, to the highest point of the temple and said, if you are the son of God, jump off. For the scriptures say, he will order his angels to protect and guard you, and they will hold you up with their hands, so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. Jesus responded, the scriptures also say, you must not test the Lord your God. When the devil had finished tempting Jesus, he left him until the next opportunity came. So let's quickly go back to the back to the Old Testament, into the to the second book of the Bible, which is Exodus. Exodus is the story of uh, the Israelites being led out of slavery in Egypt. They led through the wilderness to the to the Promised Land. And God had raised up a man by the name of Moses who uh, who led them, and they spent forty days, forty years, forty years in the wilderness facing challenges. God was with them the entire, the entire time, providing them everything they needed, including food, manna, manna from heaven uh, and water. He was with them, but they, were, but they were challenged and they were tested. And when you read Exodus, you'll notice how, how the Israelites, it's actually really frustrating to read it, how often the Israelites kind of keep tripping up. They, they keep making mistakes and how they, how they didn't walk in the ways of the Lord. 
but they're on the, but they're on this journey of of hope you know walking towards uh, walking towards going towards the destination which is the promised land the promised you know this this land of of milk and honey a land where there will be a, a free people they'll have you know autonomy you know life's going to be good in the promised land so so Jesus, when he spends when he goes into the wilderness and he spends forty days in the wilderness, it, it parallels the the entire Israelite journey, the 40, 40 years they spent in the in the in the wilderness, and just like them, he's tested. So in this first temptation, um, the devil tells Jesus he should he should turn a stone into bread. You know, and that sounds like a pretty good idea. You haven't eaten for forty days. You see this bit of bread. It's like, whoa, mate. Gonna be, it's going to be good. But instead, Jesus responds by, by quoting a scripture, and he, and he quotes this uh, verse from Deuteronomy 8.3, which is, which is actually from a speech of Moses. It's actually Moses was speaking to the Israelites, and actually towards the end of their 40 years in the wilderness, they're about to enter the promised land when Moses says this. Uh, so this is, um, oopsie daisy, back one. This is a bit of his, of his big long speech in Deuteronomy. He says this, Deuteronomy 8.3, Yes, speaking about God, yes, He humbled you by letting you go hungry and then feeding you with, with manna. Manna, I, I like manna. Who says manna? manna. No. Yeah, no, none of you. Okay, manna, you're manna people. <laughs> manna. A food previously unknown to you and your ancestors. He did it to teach you that People do not live by bread alone. Rather, we live by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Jesus quotes this. Jesus knows that he needs more than bread for life. He knows that it's the, it's the words that come from, come from the Lord. But this, the Scripture speaks, for, speaks of all of us, all people, right? We all do. To, to, really, to really live... To really live means to be uh, sustained by God and, and to live by what He says. I, I quite like this. I read this um, the other day. You are not a dummy to be dressed up and put in a shop window. You are built of the materials out of which God builds eternity. You are not a doll. You are a soul. You need more than food, clothes, a home and a seat in the theatre. Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. You are not a doll, you're a soul. <laughs> Jesus responds to each of these temptations in Deuteronomy uh, by, by quote, uh, sorry, each of the temptations when he's in the, in the wilderness for 40 days by quoting from um, verses in Deuteronomy, the speech of Moses the speech of Moses to the Israelites before they enter the promised land. And, and as you read uh, Luke 4, you get the feeling that, that the devil is really trying to undermine uh, Jesus' mission and purpose. But Jesus is, is totally aware of, of what is going on. Jesus knows who, who he is. He knows his identity. He knows his mission. He knows his purpose. Moses uh, led the people of Israel to uh, led the people of Israel from slavery uh, to freedom in uh, in the promised land. Jesus had come to set people free from slavery to sin and death, and then to lead them into freedom and eternal life with God forever. But Moses Moses slipped up. 
Moses also tripped up, just like all the Israelites. And, and uh, it's, a, it's an interesting story. Moses slipped up and he disobeyed God. So what happened was the, the people were thirsty again because they're walking around the desert and, and they keep running out of food, so they're thirsty. And, and again, they grumble and they go to Moses, you know, well, you led us out to the wilderness to kill us. You know, they kept on saying this kind of thing. And so, and so, so God, you know, God says to Moses, he goes, Moses, uh, he goes, take your staff and speak to this rock, and water's going to come out, and I'm going to provide water for everybody. But instead, Moses, uh, Moses takes his staff, and, and he's angry. Inside, he's angry at these people. And so instead of speaking to the rock, you know, saying water come out of the rock or whatever he's going to say, he takes his staff, and he smashes that rock. You know, I, I've learned over the last few years that sometimes I get angry and um, I'm ashamed to say. And what often happens is I'll throw things. That's embarrassing. I behave like a child. I'll, if I get angry, I'll have something in my hand and I'll throw something. I had, this, uh, I had these two cans of, um, you know, you know the coffee canisters? Have you seen those? You know, I got these, uh, these canisters, really nice Supreme. I'm a fan of Supreme coffee, really nice Supreme coffee. And one day the kids wound me up. <laughs> it's not their fault. I love my kids if you're watching Elena and Eli. <laughs> anyway, I got a bit wound up and I was like, what can I do to express my, you know, and I threw my can and now it's got a dent in it <laughs> to this day. It's the, you know, it's this can, it represents what I shouldn't do. Anyway, so Moses, he didn't throw his coffee canister. Instead, he takes a staff and he, and he smashes that rock. And then God in his mercy and God in his goodness, he still, um, he, he, he still allows water to flow out of the rock. He still uh, provides for the people of Israel with the water they needed. But Moses had blown it. And it says, uh, it, says in, it says in Numbers, actually, it says that Moses didn't trust God enough. So he trusted God a bit, but he didn't trust God enough. And because of this, he wasn't able to enter into the promised land. Instead, he, instead he watches them go. So, so the devil, back to the devil tempting Jesus. The devil tempts Jesus and he goes, tell the stone to become bread. If Jesus takes matters into his own hands and doesn't trust God enough in this moment, it, it's game over. It's game over. He'll be unable to lead anybody into, tempta- into, into salvation. But unlike Moses, Jesus completely and absolutely trusts God, trusting that it's God's words that sustain him. That's amazing, absolutely amazing. So in the, that's the first temptation. In the, in the second temptation, the devil offers Jesus all the kingdoms of the world and, and all authority over them. Uh, you know, Jesus is the, is the king of kings. His mission on earth was to bring his kingdom, to, to usher in the kingdom of God. So perhaps this is, this is a shortcut, you know, a, a, an easy way. Perhaps, perhaps Jesus didn't, doesn't actually need to go the way of the cross. Perhaps the kingdom of God could be established all over the world in, in a different way. I'll give you all the authority over all the kingdoms uh, if, if you just bow down and worship me. Perhaps Jesus could take control and make everything right and all he needed to do was worship the devil. In the third temptation, the devil tries to get Jesus to leap off the highest point in the, in the temple of Jerusalem. 
you know, the, the temple in, in Jerusalem is the most important religious uh, site for Israel. This, this, the temple is packed with priests and, 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 and religious experts. I was going to say professional religious folks. <laughs> religious experts. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> if you didn't hear that, Robert said it's too close to home because yeah, I am paid. Religious experts, you know. But perhaps if you know if Jesus you know, leaps off the temple like Superman, he, he dives off this highest point, and then the, the angels lift him up, and everybody sees him and goes, "Yeah, you are the Son of God." <laughs> Everyone would believe him. He'd be proving to the priests, to all these folks, who he is. And instead, Jesus goes, you must not put your God, put God to the test. And Jesus responds to each temptation by, by quoting from Deuteronomy. Ah, oh, I've already read that. Do you want me to go through that whole page again? <laughs> that was a pretty good one. Eh? <laughs> you, got it, you got it sorted. In all three tests, in all these three tests, uh, Jesus responds by submitting himself to God, his Father. He, he submits all of who he is. He submits his, his physical hunger. He, uh, he, he submits his, his, his kingdom mission. He submits his identity. He submits his entire life. He, he does what pleases God rather than, um, rather than pleasing, uh, you know, what might have actually appealed to, to his flesh, to his physical self. You know, uh, John, says, um, John says this in, in 1 John 2, 15. Do not love this world nor the things it offers you. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, and pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father, but are from this world. And the world is fading away along with everything that people crave. But anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. Sometimes when we, um, sometimes we might think about temptation and sin. So sin, sin is when we, you know, we walk in, in ways that don't align with uh, with the ways of God. Sometimes we might think of temptation and sin as simply being about us and God. You know, it's just about me. It's my, it's, it's my walk with God. If I sin, it doesn't, you know, doesn't matter to anybody else. But there's a, but there's a, a much bigger and actually more compelling picture here. Jesus had come, Jesus came to lead people into the ultimate promised land. Salvation, eternal life with God, in God's kingdom. Jesus overcomes the the devil and his temptations in the wilderness and then he he returns to Galilee, to his hometown of Israel, uh, hometown hometown of Nazareth and he he goes goes into the church on Saturday, which is back in those days called a synagogue, he goes into the synagogue on Saturday and he, and he stands up and he reads from the, the prophet Isaiah. And he, and he says this, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for He has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favour has come. 
He rolled up the scroll and handed it back to the attendant. I like to imagine that if Jesus had a mic, it'd be like, (laughs) mic drop, (laughs) slams that thing down, he sits down. All eyes in the synagogue look at him intently. Then he began to speak to them. Doesn't need a microphone anymore. The scripture you've just heard has been fulfilled this very day. This is, this is kingdom of God manifesto. This is Jesus' mission on earth. This is what he is all about. The kingdom reflects the king and the king is Jesus. When Jesus was in the wilderness being tested and facing temptation from the devil, he, he put his absolute trust in God for, for our sake, for the, for the sake of the world, for the sake of the mission, for the sake of you and me. He, he didn't make bread for himself. Actually, when you think about the miracles Jesus did, does he ever do some, anything for himself? He didn't make bread for himself. Instead, he becomes the bread of life, broken for everyone who chooses to eat of him. He didn't take the glory and the authority over all the kingdoms of the, of the world. Instead, he chose to come under the authority in the kingdom of, of the world, you know, the kingdom of Rome at that time. He came under the authority in the kingdoms of the world and was crucified and was killed on the cross only to raise to life again, taking authority over sin and death. So his way is completely different from what the, what the devil was tempting him with. The kingdom, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of Jesus comes in like, like yeast in a loaf of bread, like hidden away and yet powerfully serving and saving people and kingdoms all over the world. Jesus didn't go to the highest point of the temple and, and, and leap off to prove that he's the son of God. Instead, Jesus is lifted up on the cross nailed to the cross, like pinned to the cross, and he refused to save himself. And in doing so, becomes salvation, the way of God for everyone who chooses to believe him and, and follow in his ways, to live by the words of God. Uh, it says in uh, Hebrews 4, this high priest of ours understands our weaknesses. So he understands when, you know, James gets a bit angry and throws a coffee canister <laughs> across the room. <laughs> or trips down, oh yeah, trips up the stairs or whatever you do. For he faced all of the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive His mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. So yeah, I talked about those stairs. That tripped me up uh, as, a, as a metaphor for life because yeah, there's things that trip me up and there's things that trip you up. But we can, we can, learn, for, we can learn from Jesus. We can learn from Jesus. I trip up that step. When, I, when I'm not paying attention. Actually, I've been very, very good this week because, you know, I was preparing this talk <laughs> and so I thought, I've got to take photos of that step. <laughs> so maybe it's right. 
<laughs> I trip up that step when I don't, don't pay attention, when I, when I get distracted, when I'm on my way to do my job. You know, my, my job is, is, my, is my daily mission, isn't it? It's, I'm, I'm paid to do my job. I'm on my way to my job and I get tripped up on the way there. It speaks to me about something. And so I've got three things because you always got to have three things at the end of a sermon. I've got three things that I think will be helpful for us as we learn to follow the ways of Jesus. Who wants three things? Cool. Here we go. First thing. Look to the past. Look to the past. Is that uh, the, the whakatauki. Uh, kamua, kamua, kamuri. Walking backwards into the future. Because <laughs> like I moonwalk. Uh, walking backwards into the future. Look to the past. We look to our, look to our foundation. When we give our lives to Jesus, uh, He is the sin-free one. Yes, <laughs> He's the sin-free one. He can do it. He's the sin-free one who makes us right. He makes us so that we, we are a clean slate. All is forgiven. We are born again. We are made to be sons and daughters of God. So, so like Jesus' identity, you are my dearly beloved son. The Father speaks to us. You are my de- dearly beloved son and daughter. It's our identity when we're born again, sons and daughters of God. God who loves us as we are, not as we should be. <laughs> There's nothing that can separate us from the love of God. Nothing. There's so much power in remembering this because, uh, because we, we do make mistakes and we will make mistakes. But when we know deep down that there's nothing that can separate us from God, sin loses its power. Sin has no power over you, it says in Romans 6, 14. Sin has no power over you. You're under the freedom of God's grace. So one, look to the past. Two, guess what two's going to be? <laughs> look to the future. Look to the future. Keep the, keep the mission in sight. To love God and, and to love others. To serve the King and His kingdom. And this means that our, our lives have, have a much greater purpose and meaning than beyond, beyond ourselves. Beyond ourselves. The people in our lives, you know, the people uh, in, our, in our families or our friends or in our, in our communities, our cities, need Jesus. You all have a big calling on your, on your life, lives. You have amazing purposes in Jesus. And the, the enemy will seek to disrupt your, uh, those purposes. When we keep when we keep our mission in sight, this means that we're 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 uh, enabled to we're more able to trust God. If we keep our mission in sight, it means that we trust God and when we submit himself, we submit ourselves to Him for His purposes, because our mission is His is His mission, right? So we look to the future. One look to the past. Two look to the future. What's number three going to be? Yeah, good. Look to the present. What's going on right now? Are you are you tired or or stressed? Are you angry? Are you <laughs> frustrated? Uh, under pressure? 
are there are there moments that you know that you're you're more vulnerable to, to temptation to tripping up than other times? We look to look to the present, which means being being aware, paying attention. Uh, do I have this up on the screen? No. First Peter five eight. This is what Peter says. He goes, stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him. Be strong in your faith. Stay alert. Watch out for your... Man, I keep doubling up. Stand firm in him and be strong in your faith. So the present is right now. The present is what we have. This is this is the time to uh, like, like to to draw on on the word of God. You know, we have the, we have the have the scriptures. We can uh, we can read uh, read our Bibles. We um, we can we can meditate on what God says in the Bible, and we and we can learn to um, to live by His words. The present uh, is right now. It's also um, a time that we can invite the Holy Spirit. <laughs> The Holy Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness. The Holy Spirit didn't leave Jesus alone in the wilderness. The Holy Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness. The Holy Spirit is, is with us now. The Holy Spirit was with Jesus when he was facing those temptations, and the Holy Spirit is with us now. He is here to He is here to heal us. He is here to strengthen us. He is here to empower us, to equip us, to encourage us, to restore us, to en- enable us. He is here to, uh, to come alongside us. He's the, the paraclete. He comes alongside us. He, he's the one who speaks to our hearts the words that we actually really need to hear. He is here to help us to live by the words of God. He is, he is here to, to lead us and guide us so that God's purposes are worked out in, in the earth. And this is the, the bigger picture. This is the bigger picture. I read um, in uh, Isaiah 11 this morning. Uh, it's this prophecy about, about Jesus, and it says, The Spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might, the Spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. He will delight in obeying the Lord. But that same Spirit is with us. Right. We thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, that you when you weren't when you went into that wilderness place, when you spent those forty days in the wilderness, that you completely submitted yourself to God, that you trusted all of who you are to God your Father, to God our Father. And thank you, Jesus, that you, you did it all again. You went to the cross, that you submitted yourself again to God. You trusted Him and you trusted Him with everything. For us, Lord, thank you that uh, because of what you did, we are made right with God. We, we are made so it's as though we have never tripped up some stairs. We have, it's as though we have never sinned in your sight, God. 
thank you, God, that that your that your mission is is so big, is so amazingly uh, profound that you you invite us into it, Lord. Pray, Lord, that you would you would help us to fix our eyes on you, to uh, to 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 see what you've done, that it is finished, and to be thankful, like Matt said last week, to see where we've come from, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that uh, you lead us into the into the future, and that you are with us right now, right now in this room, or in other rooms where people are watching. So, Holy Spirit, would you would you come and invade this place, Lord? Like